novej privatizácii. Hello and welcome to That Option No Longer Exists, the podcast that has a right old fight, but in fairly limited scope. Uh, my name's John Barnes, I'm certainly on the left of any big tent. With me is my comrade, Adam Juniper, who's on the right edge of that. Am I, yeah, am I, am I in the tent or am I looking for planning permission to build a, you know... Moderate, sensible, potentially award-winning eco-house, but, you know, only let centrists move in and have a help-to-buy scheme. You're in a cardboard box, mate. It's never going to win the Sterling Prize. So it's been a funny old week in politics, and it's great to t- tell uh, people when we're recording, but th- as we were talking about, Adam, not a huge amount has shifted this week. There have been... Also, people have seemed very angry, I think, probably. Um... Like some of the days I turned the, uh, you know, tuned into some of the Today program or, or something and, and tried to stay like I'm following it all. But it is all starting to blur into one, isn't it? It's, I think, so it's since we last recorded, um, Boris Johnson had made his, they said, oh, let's say Boris's deal. It's not a deal until anybody agrees it. It's just a bit of paper. So um, Boris has made his sort of, really quite odd plan to replace that. We're not going to have a border on the island of Ireland, but we're going to have two instead. And that went down about as well as expected with um, the Irish and uh, the EU and the the people of Northern Ireland, but went down surprisingly well with the DUP. Yeah, yeah. I mean, although afterwards in some of their clarifying interviews, they seem to say that it was also not great, but good enough to... uh, Almost as if they were getting a bribe or something. It's you know what I would not have uh, believed that, and I think the um, Would, I you, you wouldn't have believed that politics on no. a small little island could be corrupted, especially people who seem to be absolute lunatic. No, of course. I, I mean, I have to, and this most thing most people who comment on this sort of thing don't do is I profess pretty much total and complete ignorance of the day-to-day politics of Northern Ireland. Um, I'm aware of the big picture stuff, um, but uh, as you know, after that, 
God knows what's going on. Well, I, I believe they've officially decided to have nothing going on because it's inconvenient. So they've closed their little parliament. It's Sorry, not, it, it that's probably not the wonder. best way to put it. Um, but, you know, the, the Stormont thing, proof that if you don't have a government, life carries on. Was it six months or was it much longer than that that they officially didn't have a government in Belgium for a few years? I thought years it was closer ago. to three years. Yeah, Belgium still seems to be doing all right in its own Belgium-y way, getting a lot more people um, visiting from the UK recently. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah, for that, or for a three-year period, for some reason, back and forth. It must be good money for the Eurostar. Although did, did I tell you, um, by the way, I was on the same Eurostar as Jeremy Corbyn? Oh, no, you didn't. Was it, uh, Did he manage to find a seat? I, I honestly don't know. I was... Um, I was in one of the posh seats, and he wasn't in the same coach as me. Um, but one of my colleagues who was travelling back from the same trade show saw him, and so I didn't have the opportunity to give Jeremy Corbyn a lecture. It was the day the Joe Cox Street or whatever was uh, opened in Brussels, uh, but I was at Botokino. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, I've never been to Brussels. Is it nice? Well, I mean, I'm, not, I'm trying to remember if I've been out any further than getting out of the train at Brussels and getting onto the train into Germany. Um, no, I've been to Brussels for a day. It seemed fine. They've got a nice big square in the middle that you'll have seen in a picture. Um, they have beer, which is good, but they have beer in other places. Um, they have a lot of bland-looking office buildings as well. Well, that is um, that does account for you know, 90% of places in Europe, particularly cities anyway. The, um, the bland office buildings, um, some pubs. I think the, uh, and I think that's uh, as much as we really need to know about Europe, isn't it? It's you know, so that Europe is a foreign country. It's, it's almost like exactly the same. Yeah, it's almost ex- they have places you can drink and places people work, and then they go back to their houses. But in a lot of places, there are really nice climates that it would be lovely to be able to retire to if we had some sort of freedom of movement. And that's um, something we can we can talk about. Actually. So the Labour conference wholeheartedly backed free movement um, from the conference floor, but that was one of the only things that the Labour sort of leadership didn't seem to outwardly embrace as much as it did the the Green New Deal or the um, even the abolish eating stuff. Um, so yeah, um, just just before we started recording, you were telling me that the the leadership has been um, publicly embracing policies and making a Queen's speech. Well, that's... Um, yeah, Jeremy's done that um, this very morning. He, um, he suggests... You're going to have to explain the um, practicality. I mean, as I understand it, a Queen's speech is something which governments do at the beginning of a parliament. Well, that's... So we're about to have one, aren't we? And the, the idea that um, a government um, run by Boris Johnson with a majority of minus... 45 officially has never ever won a commons vote and also wants to have a general election and dissolve the parliament completely it seems a bit pointless that he's going to bring a lot of policies or unlikely that any policies that he gets the queen to read out will um will come out you know will actually happen he does get to have a a little normal length pirogue doesn't he if there is a pointless so so everyone um, has to be nice to the queen 
for a day. Everyone, everyone has been asked the question. Another way of ticking down the, the parliamentary business. So normally a Queen's Speech debate will take five working days to um, to go through, but I don't believe there can possibly be as much content in it for that. So it can only be, essentially, Boris Johnson deciding to use the Queen to give what is essentially a, you know, a fairly staged, simple to camera um, party political broadcast for the things the Tory party would like to say they would like to do, but I've honestly no way of implementing whatsoever. Hello, my government and I will be passing legislation that says anyone who says Boris Johnson is a liar is a liar. <laughs> it could be something like that. We've got to keep civility in politics so you're not allowed to tell the truth anymore. So, basically, yeah, Jeremy... Um, put together or his team have put together what a Labour Queen speech would look like uh, and made a speech in Northampton today essentially going through those policies so it's it's got the um, uh, you know it's got detail but it's essentially Green New Deal uh, burn peace, private schools while the children are still in them peace based that's a good idea peace based um, foreign policy um, reforming government it's always been a bit of a tricky one with foreign policy, though, isn't it? Because if you go around saying, can you chaps all be nice to each other, you know, for a bit, a lot of them won't. It's a far better policy than going around saying, let's bomb you all into hell. Um, but And then, um, so the interesting bit for you, because it's so much so Labour plans and manifestos, and we're not secret about that, but the interesting bit that was, it was obviously an attempt to boil down, because it was sort of headlined by... The, the phrasing of which, um, you know, the Labour will build on the, the, the sort of the Brexit policy. So the first task of a Labour government, and I'm reading it out now, the first task of a Labour government will be to finally get Brexit sorted. Not done, sorted. After three years of Tory failure, it's time to take decisions oh, out sorry. of the hands of politicians. Oh, sorry, I, I guess so that's sorted. It's all right. We, we were talking, weren't we, last week about ways you could market the truly appalling uh, position Labour had got itself into trying to have a positive end get Brexit done but not badly <laughs> no. well I've, I've got some ideas on that myself but this seems to be the Labour like, the only get Brexit sorted the referendum will not be a rerun of 2016 when no one knew what deal the EU would accept or what it would look like and the prospect of no deal was dismissed out of hand this time, the choice will be between leaving with a sensible deal or remaining in the European Union. Two clear options, both agreed with the EU, no false promises, no bluster. There you go. It, and it's pr promising the, it, um, the deal... I'm just going isn't the problem there that nobody trusts Jeremy to, I mean, get a sensible deal? Shouldn't it be, at least for discussion's sake, and the follow-up question is invariably going to be, what is a sensible deal? Well, I think... Is it, that, is it a soft Brexit? Is it something we're going to refuse to talk about? No, Labour would be very clear about what a Labour Brexit deal would look like. Um, staying in the customs union, as close as possible alignment in terms of the single market. Um, customs guarantees union means, means freedom of movement. It, indeed, and Labour have always freedom. said that. So, yes, so Labour have always said that the freedom of movement of Labour as it is not people's labour in the thing, um, will always, um, in the labour, have always said that that was, the, that was the thing. So what people, so when labour 
publications have suggested that if you leave the customs union, free movement will end. That's never been a proposal. It's simply saying that if that happens, that's what will happen. But anyway, so that um, so that yeah, labour what labour want or, or labour thought a. A, a decent or sensible Brexit deal has always been fairly well laid out in those sort of, um, it was originally six tests and now it's five principles isn't it, but the um, but that has always and and then we've heard haven't we, that the EU, because it's it's not quite off the shelf but it's fairly close to off the shelf isn't it, we're fairly certain that the EU would agree to that and Labour is suggesting they would within three months and then I think, within, I think, within six I mean, months, the referendum. There are a lot of people there who want it to go away, and if they can create a platform for a second-tier membership of the EU, that might not be the worst thing from their point of view either. In many ways, we already had what some EU people would regard as a second-tier membership, not being part of the currency, that kind of thing, and a lot of the legitimate anti-European sulking was the fact that Britain was or often attempted to be coerced into paying to bail out Eurozone things and to help out, um, while not actually participating in the currency. So Euro meetings started to, you know, to be unbalanced. Things started to be designed against, well, certainly against a net contributing country that didn't want to play when it came to the currency. So... Yeah, it makes it does feel like we should at this point somebody should have been able to reach a point where everyone could all just agree on what was broadly our previous entry arrangements but with a rebranding. I I have from day one suggested that that was the most likely outcome. Um but I now think it's sort of 33 33 33 whether it's uh remain a sort of Brexit in name only or no deal and I think that's still that still worries me more than it seems to worry a lot of people who say they don't want no deal but aren't interested in forming that um, you know national unity or temporary or whatever you want to call it caretaker government that would absolutely stop that because of ah, but that's I guess so this is a, it's like I would say that you are equally disinterested because you refuse to do it unless Jeremy Corbyn leads it, and I understand why you're going to say he's, you know, the leader of the next largest party. Well, he's the leader but of the opposition. It's an official title. But um, apparently, behind the scenes, the uh, Labour Party had let it be known that if the um, temporary candidate was Ed Miliband, they wouldn't be completely unhappy with it. I think a lot of people could live with that. Uh, apart from Forza Lib Dems who refused to talk to him uh, they're going to have to go back on a lot of their sulky little refusers aren't they well certainly if they're going to carry on letting in various unpleasant Tories I'm absolutely convinced the absolute, in, in sort of the, the banter timeline version would the Labour been to say okay not Jeremy but it's a, a John and Diane double header um <laughs> um I, yes, I'm not sure that Diane and her famed mathematical abilities would be ideal right now either. Jeez. I'd like to, I'd like to see Keir Starmer or... Um, You'd like to see to him nude, on. wouldn't you, Adam? Oh, yeah. Uh, or Ken Clark, 
who I wouldn't like to see nude. Uh, I, I notice you're. <laughs> I'm very glad. I'm very glad we got through the freedom of movement stuff without mentioning Pretty Patel. The um, world. Oh, which uh, this can be a oh, this can be a nice little edit point for you, Adam. The um, so the result is in of our Twitter World Cup of the worst Tory ever, and the victory, the. Uh, the the friend of um, the the person who has promised with Darius Guppy to do to a journalist what he probably then didn't do with Jennifer Mercury um, is um, didn't win. Really? No, the worst Tory in the I, world. If ever. I, I mean, I'm just thinking, if I was a Tory. You know, a long-standing One Nation Tory. You know, and I believed in my party and all that kind of thing. I'd be looking at that particular gentleman and thinking, "Oh dear, I mean, he's he has potentially fucked our party." There are a lot of outcomes where there isn't a Tory party by the end of this. And but, uh, yeah, so from a certain perspective, he definitely is the worst Tory. But. So, yeah, he might be the worst Tory for Tories. I don't think a lot of Tories were voting for this, where the, you know, the, the visceral He's tribal hatred... we don't have any appeal for the, uh, you know, them. I mean, I hope not. Is it my use of the word them that's problematic? <laughs> but is it my use of the word them arseholes? The, um... But we... Uh, do, interestingly, um, Marc Francois was doing very well. Uh, in the the championships, right up until he came up yeah. against well, he the was a eventual real, winner. He went he went for looks. Yeah, I mean, he he is a man whose whole thing, whole Tory image. I mean, apart from being a far right lunatic, is about looking like one. About you know somebody that you just see in the street and just read his politics straight off his wobbling, pink angry face. And that's that's a good way to you know to win these days because that is a man who can be an ins- a Tory. Far right, in, in, sorry, uh, an Instagram right wing Tory type. You know, he can do it on <laughs> pictures for the, those people who can't be bothered to read or understand. So he was doing really well right up until the moment he came up against our eventual winner, who I think you can probably guess. Um, but we had one of our a Twitter followers suggested that he's, he's, I'll quote this the younger me would never have believed it but I'd say there are at least 60 current Tory MPs whose worldview and behaviour is worse than Thatcher and this stumpy little shite house is in the top 10 but he didn't he, he eventually didn't win the winner was of course the, the milk Thatcher um, Margaret Thatcher officially the worst she, Tory she in of, the world she of that wonderful EU jumper sorry EEC or EC or whatever it was back then. Have you got one? No, she had it. <laughs> no, but have you got one as well? Do you want me to get you one? Uh, yes, why not? Well, I, do, I think there's, there's a kind of a, an interesting thing. It might be to do with the demographics of It might have been to do with the demographics of our voting public. You know, slightly older. Slightly... Um, to the left of centre, apart from you, of course. The um, oh, sorry, when you say our, do you mean the Labour's voting public? No, I mean our Twitter account and our ah. podcast. Uh, our Twitter account at that we love you all. Pod. So I think that you know, possibly skews older, possibly skews 
uh, white male as um, as we skew. The um, something very enjoyable about protesting the the poll tax as well. I think we all have fond memories of that, even if we were quite young, going down the street shouting Maggie, 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 out, out, out. I still um, like to chant it sorry, at demonstrate. I still like to chant it at demonstrations to this day. I've noticed quite a lot of people still do. Don't worry, you're far from alone in that. Um, which it doesn't necessarily lend a lot of credibility to whatever the current cause is, though. It makes people seem like they don't really know what's going on. Quite often, we don't really know what the actual cause is. It's just general displeasure with the status quo. We still think Margaret's in that. But, but then, of course, Margaret... I mean, the, real, the, the reason Maggie can be seen as such a terrible person, I think, even if... And I'm, I'm just... Bear with me, everyone. <laughs> she may have been well-motivated by relatively good aspiration. You know, she, she might have genuinely thought she was doing the right thing for a lot of people um, in ways that are never going to be liked by Labour. But she did go a bit weird towards the end. You know, you can't deny that the poll tax was insane from wh whatever perspective your politics were. There was no way that that was ever going to get through. It was just bad politics, as well as being an immoral policy, and then pushing, you know, steering into that, as she did, as everyone else in the party went, oh, my Lord, no, please, no. Um, just, I don't understand that. Yet, many, many years later, her, um, her legacy is that people see Europe rather than the poll tax, which it definitely was, as being the main reason that things went wrong for her. And they grew up and she was their hero. You know, people like Nigel Farage or, and almost the entire ERG are people who aspired and rose up under Thatcher, believed in Thatcher, um, occasionally dropped their monocles and could see posters of Margaret Thatcher on their walls at Eton, Whatever, whatever that sort of person is. Um, and then they feel that Europe is the thing that stopped their love, beloved Maggie. They're, you know, that's, that's why they're anti-European now. Whereas Maggie was relatively pro-Europe for the reasons that Jeremy Corbyn hates it so much. Well, it's, it is... Um, yeah, it's interesting. The bits of, the bits of Europe that the Tory party should like... Um, interestingly, I was uh, hearing that um, Boris Johnson's deal didn't include following the state aid rules, which I would have thought it would quite like to keep following. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but aren't you meant to send that money abroad rather than, say, you know, to some people that you've met and are having internet consultancy with next to a poll? The, I mean, who knows? But it does seem, I think... Here's my thoughts, that Boris Johnson could be the world's biggest arsehole. But it's much more difficult to make an impression as an arsehole. Right when now. you're competing against Trump? Well, when you're competing against society, when you're competing in the society within which we are competing. Yeah, I mean, the, um, it's, it's through the level of noise. Like, people will call people an arsehole for relatively minor things, and 
that arsehole, you know, the, the comment has just as much weight. Once you hit a certain line in Twitter, you can be angry with somebody for doing a genocide, or you can be angry with someone for cutting you up at the traffic lights, and, you know, it's expressed in the same way. There's no, it's like, it's like when I yell too loud into the microphone and it just goes red. <laughs> has someone cut you up at the traffic lights, Adam? No, no, I haven't, I haven't had a car for a bit. You know me, <laughs> nice hire schemes and stuff. My main uh, sulk about the traffic lights at the moment is, you know, taking a toddler around so you have to obey the green man. Is how long things take if you obey the green man. <laughs> you've just got to, you've just got to do it. The um, you've got to set an example to future generations, mate. You've, um... I know, I know, but the example I would like to set is <coughs> look. As a pedestrian, what I do is I go out of my way to understand the phasing of the local lights and work out how long it takes cars to get round the corner, etc. So I know exactly when I can jump over safely and exactly when to leave it. And I think that, although he is only three, my son is definitely that smart. <laughs> but maybe we'll leave it a little bit. You know, until yeah. he understands the word phasing. You mean, it might be forever with lots of people. The... Um, so the name of this podcast is That Option No Longer Exists and it comes from a point where supposedly the option of um, using sort of Keynesian investment uh, into the economy to, to, to kickstart a, a way out of a, a recession no longer existed and that could have been the split in the Labour policies between a sort of neoliberal path and a continuing socialist path so i thought every week we'd ask whether a thing an option still exists and this is a fairly simple one for you this week adam i was going to ask you whether the concept of a national unity caretaker temporary call it what you will government still at this point exists i mean don't we traditionally have those things when we have a, a world war to fight something like that so I guess that option definitely does exist. Things are kicking off in Turkey. It's quite near Syria. That's a place where Russian interests and American interests collide a little bit. You never know. People might start letting off the big whiz-bangs. And then we really will need a government of national unity. We'll also probably be more unified on issues like that than, than we can be on sensible things like trading partnerships and... Uh, convenient passports and databases about police and all of the various things that we've discovered the EU did, does. Um, <laughs> allow, you to move, allow you to move a guide dog from Northern to the Republic of Ireland, for example. Well, <laughs> that's, I mean, yeah, exactly. Um, I know there's and, no... Um, the, if, you were the, um, if you were a journalist, um, the thing you'd be desperately hunting for now is a guide dog that with its owner lives one side of the border and works the other. And that's I, the, I, I imagine several are. That's the that's the golden um, the golden vox pop for you at the moment. Um, so basically, I was bringing up this well, question. Well, I, I, surely the golden vox pop. If you're honest, if you if you can find someone with a balaclava who's got hold of um, the the recent documents released by the government and is already starting to get hold of the semtex so they can blow up the new border posts that are not on the border but are still probably 
things you can blow up. It's really, it's really difficult. It's um, uh, yeah. Hang on, hang on one sec. Right, I've got a, I've got a little tea coming. I'm back now. <laughs> the um, uh, yeah. So, the, yes. uh, so, um, so where was I? Where was I with the, were, um, I, I just said something implying people that can't afford a point. <laughs> well, it, the um, the vox pops at the moment are mainly that go uh, big. Mainly seems to be people saying bad things about Boris Johnson. So that's a thing we're going to get used to as we move into an election campaign, and he has to come out and visit the, and meet the public a little bit more. But we seem to be nailed on for that election now, I think, as soon as... Because I think, um, unless they manage to get no deal through, which lots of, you know, legal minds seem to think isn't possible, the Lib Dems are essentially... They've decided they're not going to back Labour's position into this into this sort of caretaker government. It doesn't look like it. Um, and apparently the... Um, the uh, civil service have started giving access talks to Labour, i.e. so they're letting Labour into the, the government departments so they'll be ready to take uh, the reins um, wow. as, as is traditional sort of like four or five weeks before an election. So the, the civil um, service knows something we don't. Well, the civil service definitely think it's quite likely that an election's coming. Although well, I, I've, I... We had the thing through the door recently to, you know, check that who was living here, who was old enough to vote. Well, you get that on a yearly basis anyway these days, don't you? But, um, I don't know, though. It just felt... The timing felt a bit, you know. Well, the, um, the, as you can... As, as with uh, Jeremy's speech today, you can see that Labour think a general election is fairly imminent. And you can although, think... They, although they don't think that they should get rid of the most unpopular leader they've ever had in history. But I guess it's too late for that now. There were times when other leaders have been more unpopular. Not since um, polling began has any leader of any party, opposition or government been as unpopular as Jeremy Corbyn is. And yet he's still very, very popular. With the membership. And that's but the membership do matters. not account for... Uh, people other than the Labour membership are allowed to vote at general elections which I know is a major issue for you, but there you go. That is a thing we should put a stop to, let's be honest. The, um, it would affect the results. I don't think it would. The, um, but it's... So I, I'm now thinking that, that I don't think that's going to happen because I, I, it makes complete sense to me that you would want... Um, if, you want that, if you want that referendum, that's the way to get it. But I don't think, you, I don't think you, it's going to happen. I think if we do see a referendum, it's because of a Labour-controlled government after a general election that might happen fairly soon. I, 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 I entirely agree that the, the most... All of the scenarios that prevent uh, either a very hard or an absolute Brexit are ones in which a surrender delay takes place and then an election takes place, and then the, you know... Well, that election confirms the current balance of uh, the, the House. You know, there's a Labour-led coalition uh, seems to be... as po Polling implies rather the best that people on my side of politics could hope for, 
Um, and there seems to be a reasonable chance of a fairly right-wing... You know, the, the more recent polling I keep seeing shows that the Boris is convincing the Brexiteers while the Labour and Lib Dems are getting about the same amount. You know, they are. there is no agreement on the other side. People who think too much, people who are too clever, Remainers uh, shooting themselves in the foot. If we could unite like Team Idiot, we'd all do very well. I think, although... Sorry, that's Team Brexit. I'm sure they have their reasons. Although there is no, and will be no, official um, uh, pact, I think you have to assume that voters are clever enough. And when it comes down to it, local party machinery is clever enough to know which uh, constituencies you put your foot on. and financing will have a big impact as well. Um, Personally, I'll tell you what I'd quite like to do. Um, I'd really like to go and spend some time in Uxbridge. Because I guess if you have an election really fast, it's quite hard to... I think I think that I think he's the, the only thing that worries me about this whole thing is that if Boris Johnson manages to get no deal through, why why does he sudden, why does he still want a general election? I know he won't be able to uh, because most of the terrible things that we say are going to be the terrible things that happen don't happen straight away. You can definitely blast through a general election campaign before you know the next big recession statements. You know, some of the worst stuff is going to take years and years, and you do, do not want to be sat there, powerless, negotiating the term. If I, if I were, if I were the Tories and I was a long-term strategist, I would quite want to be out of power straight after any no deals I made to happen, and then four or five years later come back and blame everything on whoever got the unlucky screw. I mean, I don't. Uh, you know, these are people with absolute. Um uh, galaxy brains that run the uh, well, seem to run the Tory party. That's the sort of thing I can imagine they'd want to do. Yeah, and if I had a galaxy brain, I wouldn't particularly care what happened to any individual Tories. You know, so long as I thought I'd get hired by the next one, why would I worry what Boris, you know, I'm sure he can find, he has worked for other people, has he not? I'm sure he could get work again. Well, that's it, isn't it? It's, um, there's a there's a real um, I don't know battle between the people advising the Tory party and those people who seem to care about the Tory party. I think that's um, that's that's interesting. That is in a way that doesn't really happen with Labour because you get this you know the sort of groundswell of people. The Labour membership care about Labour. They do. Most of them are quite tribally loyal. The leadership care about the Labour Party because they're running it, and their advisors care about the Labour Party because they're running it. There's the PLP, as we've seen, you know, at least a good ten of them don't care about Labour because they're willing to leave it, or you know, not even leave it, but just actively campaign against it. But yeah. we don't. I don't think we really see that in the in the Tory Party. We've not seen. Um, I don't know. Amber Rudd, for example, wasn't being obstructive to the Tory course. Um, uh, 
But you know what I mean? And, to, and even after she resigned, she wasn't. The act of resignation was a, a problem. But it only seems to be maybe, you know, Philip Hammond a little bit, who's even um, saying anything that would annoy Tories in general. A lot, a lot of Tories aren't quite used to the new threat that comes from the, the runoff in the leadership, you know. Um, the, it used to be that the Prime Minister was constantly terrified of, you know, was it, it was like a very small percentage of Tory MPs have to get together to cause a 1922 committee election. And they could do that at any point. And now they can't quite, can they? Now, now it's, it's rather harder for the leadership to be toppled. And then the membership gets involved and that's not something you know it's not built into the psychology of the the party yeah it's easy and maybe that's because there isn't that you know there isn't really a base in the same way the I think um, I think it, I don't know but I, I think that I think that will turn out to have been a mistake for them trying to be democratic um well, for the same reason you know because the you're not truly democratic if the only people who are making the selection are lunatics. <laughs> uh, sorry, I mean, and I tend to say that of people who are too far into either corner. But anyway, I, I think my answer to your to your query, and it could have been a much quicker answer, is no. It does not look like there's going to be a government of national unity to solve the Brexit issue. Um, it doesn't look like enough people can be friends, and a lot of people have talked themselves into difficult corners. So, I suspect what we're going to see is um, some fun and games on the 19th. It'd be interesting to know what they're going to be. I guess we can talk about that next time. Um, and then, probably a general election. And let's, yeah, I'm, I'm up for that. I'm, <coughs> I'm, desperate. I'm desperate for a general election. Um, because I genuinely think it's possible to fight a general election on issues bigger than Brexit, and I know you don't think there are many, but I think it's entirely possible to fight an election on essentially climate change and social justice. Um, social justice has always been a you know proper Labour, so, you know that's what New Labour was about as well. Um, so don't get I, you know I, I'm just thinking all I all I try and say is that New Labour sorry New no, I just keep talking about New Labour don't I. Um, all I try and say is that Brexit is going to come up at an election that's been forced on the country by Brexit catastrophe. People have views on it. People have been talking about almost nothing else for three years. And one way or another, it's going to get discussed. So it is sensible to have a rational viewpoint on it. But let's move on, because uh, I can see our time ticking down. And I'm fairly sure that you're going to ask me if somebody's a dum-dum or not, right? I am, Adam, and I was going to ask you this week about another journalist. It seems easier to discuss a journalist uh, in our clever or stupid spot because, um, I don't know, because politicians supposedly are ideologically driven. And um, although we pretend, journalists are not. Uh, um, didn't we decide last week that our, vic our selected candidate was... Driven by self, you know, self-serving attitude. 
Yes, supposedly, the ideology of the self, at least. Um, so I was going to ask you this week about the LBC Romaniac uh, phone-in host and uh, author and pundit, and sometime before he decided he didn't give him enough free reign to say his piece, uh, Newsnight host, um, man with his head upside down, bearded and balding, James O'Brien. Is he clever it's or a good, stupid? It's a good look. Um, is he? Sorry. Is James O'Brien clever or stupid? Well, I'll tell you one thing. Over the weeks we've been doing this, I've been starting to think that people couldn't exhibit both traits fairly successfully. So I am starting to wonder how binary it is. But I've always felt that he's quite clever. Um, well, let me make the, let me make the case. Let me make the case for stupid. The um, so, I, I don't listen to his show very often. I more generally react to the clips that other people share of him taking a, a lever to the cleaners on his show. Uh, quite successfully with the, with the questions, um, you know, why do you actually want to leave the EU is a big one. Name a law that you don't like uh, or name a thing that you'll change, that sort of thing. That seems to be a big one. But It, it does seem to... Um be a fairly effective strategy. It does seem to uh, confuse quite a lot of leavers who simply believe in leave now because they believe in it. So we can possibly say that he's cleverer than some of the angry leavers that phone into his radio show. But I was—I heard him say something today, and it might be uh, that there's a reason why I'm more annoyed by it than anything else. But I'll come to that afterwards. He was suggesting, on the topic that we were just discussing, about a general election or a referendum, he was suggesting that whether or not you wanted a referendum or a general election was based on where you ideologically sat. He suggested that those right-thinking people who like civilization and the status quo would like a referendum first, and other people would want a general election. Now, the idea... I, don't, I mean, I think he's doing a, you know, a, a straw man anyway, but the idea that, you know, people who are right-thinking want, who want civilization would also be positive towards today's status quo? I don't think anyone's happy with the status quo, are they? Was he, I mean... Is he suggesting that we need to move from today's status quo and he's offering what he sees as the only solution? Um, as a lot of people do, that you need to overcome what, while technically an advisory referendum, we all know that it seems to have carried more weight than that. People, at least on the winning side, believe that we're not just giving a vague thought in the direction of the government, but commanding, and they've, they've had this repeated as well, commanding the government. So it's not an unreasonable standpoint to take that there has to be a referendum to overcome that. Or but I think, but, but, but I was going to say, but most of the, what, even if you want a referendum, the sensible path to that referendum is a general election with the right result for you those referendum wanters well, the other way around I mean, what, what you could say now is if you look at the political reality of it since you're not going to get offered a referendum by the current government the only path 
to a referendum is a different outcome, you know, is to replace them with a government who does offer you one. And that's what I'm so saying. I think it's not, it's not, you're not, it's not unfair or it's not wrong to say the best thing would be to have a final confirmatory referendum. Um, but given that that isn't going to happen, the next best thing is to have a general election. Well, interesting. One of the reasons why this wound me up possibly so much because the, the status quo seems to be a position where you're you're okay with the way politics works. You're okay with the way people are treated. You're okay with the way our media works. You're okay with all of those things. You simply don't like the way the people who are in charge at the moment are exercising their power. And if they were decent, in the same way that Orwell um, suggested of Dickens, that Dickens wasn't really interested in grand social change. He just wanted all the characters in his novels to be nicer to each other. And then it would all be okay. I think that's the sort of thing that the world, uh, it's the Olympic open ceremony, opening ceremony vibe that, that James O'Brien's giving up. And the reason it wound me up so much was because I saw Tony Blair being interviewed by Andrew O'Neill. Uh, and um, Andrew, by interviewed, yeah. So Tony Blair interviewed by Andrew uh, Shredded Wheathead Neil, and Tony Blair was saying the best thing for the country is not a general election; it's a referendum. And despite Andrew Neil pointing out to him that there was no majority in Parliament and no way that the government were going to give them a referendum, Tony Blair he sort of he got a little bit tongue tied and suggested that. Um, well, governments can change their minds, and I'm not here, he said, to say how this is possible. I'm here to simply advance the position of what I think the good thing is. And uh, it's, I'm <laughs> going to make. I'm going to say, well, that's exactly the same argument using different words, isn't it? This is what the government should do, and then you and I can add on, but they probably won't. So here are the here are the politically, you know, realistic alternatives. Although, to be absolutely honest, I. You know, I can imagine a scenario where Boris Johnson steps up on the 19th in his emergency um, thing and says, look, going to have a general election. Here's the bill. Pass or fail. None of your um, two-thirds majority stuff. Um, and on the same day, we're going to have a referendum since there's been a lot of trouble. And then you get a new government and they've got a very convenient opinion poll to go with. It's a <coughs> it's a, a, a spade with which to dig people out of the crisis. I've not heard touted before, but it's an interesting one. The I think that my problem it, w- it would make for an absolutely fascinating pre-election slash referendum. You know, people having to think about two things at once, but um, debate and discussion. I'm, yeah, I'm terrified by the prospects. And I think the thing that winds me up so much about James O'Brien is that he seems a decent man in the same way that you seem a decent man. You are a decent man. So he genuinely wants the best for people. And he continually, if you listen to the clips of his radio show, finds out about a social injustice or a, a problem and sort of goes, this is mental. And he sort of, you can hear his cogs ticking as he whirs his way through to the, the thing that might suggest and, and that, would, that would solve the problem. It's always funny, isn't it, how people on the radio, you hear their cogs tick. You, you can just hear it going a little slower while they're desperately trying not to say any of the things they're not allowed for their broadcasting licence. 
Yeah, but obviously it seems to be allowed to say anything they want, so it's fine. But and you always come to the point with a, you know a thing that would solve the problem is essentially a piece of solidarity, a piece of socialism. But he seem, always wants to make himself clear that he's the first person to have thought of it. He's, he makes it makes himself clear that he's the first person to have thought of this thing. And by the way, there is absolutely no political system that you could do some research into and subscribe to that might sort these damn things out. So he's not inarticulate. He's not. I don't know. He's not. He doesn't come to the wrong conclusions, but by God, he seems to have a mental block in just saying, "Right, okay, I've read Marx. It's okay." <laughs> Maybe he hasn't. <laughs> Maybe yeah. he just sits in that studio and has some thoughts. Maybe Marx isn't the only person in the world who thinks, "Wouldn't it be nice if everyone was nice to each other for a change?" Does that? <laughs> that you can get just, nailed to a tree for that. Just Marx, Jesus, Jeremy Corbyn me and on and most oh, no, of our, I've always thought it would be nice if people were nice to each other as well I just don't think they're gonna I don't think they should be nice to everybody Ellen DeGeneres the um but thank you very much for being with me this week on that option no longer exists Adam will catch you listeners soon and in the meantime you can follow us on the Twitter at that option pod search for us on Facebook that option no longer exists visit our website that option dot co dot uk or even send us an email hello at that option dot co dot uk write us write to us contact us tell us where we're wrong because we are wrong but you know nicely be civil yeah. Or um, not, actually. You know, yeah, be as, actually, be as harsh as you like. Um, we'll see you next time. Bye.